If uh, you were here last week, you know that we've started a new series called Life to the Full, and Raj started it last week, looking at how the gospel really affects every single part of our lives and transforms every area. And this week, we're going to be looking at generosity. So, a question for you. What's your first thought when you hear the word generosity? Is it with finances or money? No, it isn't. So, uh, but for some people, it is. With most people, and for the, um, for the rest of us, I think it probably is the case that as soon as you hear the word generosity, you think about money and finances. The two are really interconnected. But how do we look at generosity when it's not really confined to money, when it's not confined to finances? What does it mean to live a generous life to the full? How does God view generosity? What does the Bible say about it? Just like with everything else, God is the most generous. And just like with everything else with his character, it's to the full. Generosity to the full, like you've never seen before. And you'll never be able to see in anyone else. Read through your Bible and you'll see that. From Genesis, the first book in the Bible, God said, let there be light. And there was light. He gave us light. He gave us life. He created us. He gave salvation to the captives. As we continue reading in the Bible, he, he brought people who were slaves out of captivity. And then he gives, he gives insight to the things in the future. He gives insight and vision, and he gives reason to celebrations. He gives blessing when the whole world is calling down curses. He gives law to his people to protect themselves from themselves. And these are only one-liners from just the first five books of the Bible. If you continue reading, you'll see that in every single book of the Bible about God's generosity and how he's given and how he continues to give. If you continue to read, you'll, you'll see that he gave the promised land. He gives strength. God gives protection to the foreigner and the widow. Does that sound familiar? Good job. Because it means that we, uh, Open Door didn't start uh, by somebody's bright ideas, but rather on the word of God, protecting the foreigner and those who are the outcasts. He gives victory over fear. He gives honor to the broken. He gives provision for his work. He restores those that are broken. He gives favor. He gives knowledge and wisdom. He gives influence to the powerless. He gives justice. He gives opportunities to repent. He gives joy and peace. And in the New Testament, what does he do? We heard a bit of it about Christmas. He gave us Jesus himself, Jesus, the Son of God, so that no more orphans, we're not orphans anymore, but we have the Holy Spirit. He touches the untouchable. He touches those who haven't felt the touch of even their closest family members for years and years. He gives us community and family. He gives grace. He gives unity. He gives us new life. He gives us access to the throne of God himself. Now, try and tell me that you or somebody you know is more generous than God or can outgive God. But if you want to do that, please try when I don't have my big Bible on me because it'll come handy, you see, because you can use it. I can use it to convince you theologically, but I can also use it in other ways. Without God's <laughs> generosity, there'll be no Christmas. Uh, to some of you, there'll be no gifts. And there'll also be no Easter. Again, to some of you, there'll be no chocolates. So that's what it means. Without God's generosity, there'll be no reason for us to celebrate. Without God's generosity, there'll be no reason for us to come together and worship Him, really. So if you ask me for a one-liner answer to what's generosity, is to live a Christ-like life of sacrificial 
and holistic giving. Giving sacrificially to the full. Uh, we were at the Northeast Elders meeting a few months ago. We usually get, get together with the Northeast Elders uh, once a month. And um, one of our good friends there said um, something that was really interesting. We were talking about prayer. And he said that it's one of those things that if you preach in every single church, everyone will agree with you. Prayer is important. Every single person who's Christian and believes in Jesus will agree with you. But they won't necessarily do anything about it. So theologically, they're convinced but in practice, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. And I think there's also something else. Generosity is also very similar. So you can talk about generosity. You can talk about giving. You can talk about being Christ-like in our giving. And every single person will agree with you, unless they haven't read their Bible correctly or uh, they have different understandings. Every single person would agree with you. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll all do something about it. Generosity very often is to do with money and finances. But in this culture and in this day, day and age, finances are so personal, particularly in this culture, because when we were in Turkey, it was so amazing that people were just asking you very personal questions. It was just like, it was, yeah, it was, it's, so, it's okay. And because obviously we'd lived here for a long time, we'd forgotten about it somehow. But people ask you very personal questions as well. Uh, but in here, you have that personal space. You can't really get any closer than that. Hugs are for Christians. If you've really been in church for a long, long time, then yeah, maybe hugs are okay. Because it invades my personal space, but if it's more than three seconds, it kind of becomes a bit awkward. But again, finances is one of those things. It's like it's my personal space. It's my money, and you can't tell me what to do with it because it's mine. I've earned it, and it's within that space. There's a sphere around me, you can't really touch anything in there, and finances are in there. And for that reason, I'm going to be talking about finances in light of generosity. Because again, to me, personally as well, it's countercultural. So in our culture, again, we don't really talk about money that much. So for all these reasons, God's really challenging me, uh, and it's good, um, and it's great, especially uh, when, uh, when you feel it doesn't quite sit with you. It's, it's good to be challenged. So to paraphrase Raj Badley, who also paraphrased Jesus, your wallet reveals where your priorities are. And sometimes, by the way, this is how heresies begin, paraphrasing a paraphrase. But hey, your wallet is where your heart reveals itself. Your wallet is where your priorities are, and you can tell where your priorities are. But let's read um, the scripture. Let's see what the Bible has. So for today, we're going to read the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. If you've got a Bible... Please turn to Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. If you haven't got a Bible, it will be projected on the screen. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as they had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold the field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. It's wonderful, isn't it? This is the word of God. This is what's included in the word of God. I'm going to begin with generosity is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. How many of you 
would still want the church to look like the early church after reading this passage. Everyone was selling everything they had, but laying it at the apostles' feet. That's the bit where we probably have difficulty, where we think, I don't want that bit to be like the early church. Um, we can skip that, but we can go to the next bit where there was no needy amongst them. Um, sometimes we really long to, uh, for the church to really go back to its roots and say, yeah, we want to be a church like the early church. But it's passages like this that really challenges people. The world says to become rich is the route to happiness. Some of Jesus' early followers were rich, but they weren't really happy until after they saw Jesus. But they were not rich anymore after they saw Jesus. But they were still very, very happy. How is that possible? Of course, some were very poor as well, but the rich ones were not necessarily rich in their previous life before encountering Jesus. But now, they're rich, they're giving it all away, but they're very happy. What was different about them? Some had witnessed a great event. Some had witnessed the event that the whole history really revolves around, and that's the resurrection of Jesus. Some of them had heard about it, but what they had in common was that they all believed in it happening. They also had something else in common. They all had the Holy Spirit. Generosity is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Don't hear what I'm not saying, again, uh, using a phrase uh, that uh, Raj says very often. Um, I'm not saying that if you're not generous, you don't have the Holy Spirit. But generosity is a sign of the Spirit. Because, you know, as people, we're not necessarily inclined to be generous. We're not necessarily thinking, oh, I've got some, let me just give it all away because it's fun and it's nice and it's great. Oh, I've got a bit, um, I'm going to need it tomorrow, but I'm going to give it away today anyway because it's just nice because it's what God wants. We're not naturally inclined to do that. But the people in this passage were like that. They were selling things and they were giving it away. Now, that's crazy, isn't it? It just doesn't make sense. But they were transformed. They weren't naturally like this when they were born. They weren't practicing this every single day of their lives. It happened after they had an encounter with Jesus, and it happened after they were baptized with the Spirit. What they're doing with their money is recorded in the Bible, so it must be important. And because they were transformed, their view of money and finances was also transformed. If you read just one verse before um, that, verse 31, you'll see that they were all filled with the Spirit. This is one of the characteristics, characteristics of the early church. To be generous and to give away. To be generous like the whole world would think you're crazy. And if you want the church to look like the early church, this is what each and every single one of us should take part in. It. Generosity causes the gospel to spread. It causes the hungry to be fed. And it brings unity. They all had everything in common. And they all had unity. And unity is not necessarily uniformity. Because sometimes we think to have unity, we must all look like each other. Praise God that we don't. Uh, but you might have noticed that but with growing my beard, I'm trying to look like the rest of the guys. I'm trying to fit in, really. I still haven't got a check shirt like uh, the rest of the New Frontiers guys. But, yeah, I'm trying to blend in. But uni- unity is not necessarily uniformity. Uh, take a look around. This is unity. Uniformity is where we have to sit in this place because we're from the same nation or we speak the same language or 
we're from a particular social class. Oh, I love social classes in Britain because you would think that in this day and age, that at least in this part of the world, there'll be no social classes. Or, but there is, when, when you look really deep into it, there's social classes. And sometimes I struggle really. Who am I? Am I an ex-asylum seeker? Am I a refugee? Am I a citizen? And that's before you get into the hierarchy of the social classes, really. So that's just the entry point, really, before you get into it. So you may start thinking, uh, where do you stand with the hierarchy of the uh, social uh, standing in Britain? Where do you really stand? Some people try to push their way in. Sometimes people are really humble and they try and sit back and say, no, I belong to the lower group. But in God's eyes, this is unity. And in God's eyes, the, the one who claims to be the highest is the lowest, and the one who humbles himself is really lifted high. So I love how the kingdom is upside down, and it's, it's, it just doesn't make sense to the world, really. Uh, so they had unity, but not uniformity, and they were all getting along really well. What's next? We'll probably sing songs in different languages here. God forbid that happened at Jubilee. This enabled the apostles to go around and spread the gospel. The apostles were able just to go around and shout out about this Jesus. Shout out in the streets and go and talk to people, have food with them, tell them about God. And also it meant that there was no one amongst them who was needy. There was no person who would go to bed not having eaten. Isn't that wonderful? They weren't looking for ways to take, but they were looking for ways to give. When was the last time you heard somebody saying, um, I'm actually not needing anything, but is, is, there, is there a way I can give more? Well, you hear that at church, and I've heard that here, but to the world it's crazy, because it's about taking, it's about accumulating wealth, it's about having more. Whereas with the early disciples, it was different. Does this sound familiar to you? I know of people like this, I know of people like what people in this passage that we've just read. I know of them, um, and some of them call themselves Jubilee, um, but they're very similar in many ways to these people. And I praise God that I'm part of a church where it's sending, part of a church where unity is important, and I praise God that I'm part of a church that's generous. Now, we'd probably in this nation be the last people or the last place in this nation that would be thinking about generosity, but that's how God does it. Because naturally, we're not the richest place in this nation. Naturally, this place doesn't pay the highest wages. Naturally, people in this part of the nation are not really those who are in the top of the social hierarchy. But that's how God does it, through us. And I praise God that he's brought me to be part of you guys here. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for being who you are, expressing the gospel, really. Thank you for supporting the works that are out there. Thank you for being who you are, for giving sacrificially. Thank you for expressing the gospel even in your finances. I praise God that there is a place like Open Door that was really birthed through here. I praise God for that because as I said, it's not the bright idea of just one person. Oh, let's do this. It was based on the Word of God and through that, many people come, many who are broken, many who are hungry, widows, orphans will come they're fed, they're given a shelter. And many of them would encounter Jesus. We've heard so many stories. So if you're a volunteer there, if you're involved in any single ways with that, thank you so much for doing that. We're convicted to preach the gospel as a church. And not only when it suits us, even at times when it's dangerous, even at times where 
we single doubt, even at times where people may think, what are you on about? Even at times when we teaside you share it and, uh, and people would just say, you're joking, aren't you? Are you having a laugh? Yeah, you believe in this. We're convicted and the generosity enables us to do that. We're able to preach the gospel. We're able to have things like Alpha. We're able to be on mission, on a mission that God has called us to. Let me uh, tell you a story. Um, we had a um, week of prayer, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, and then we had a gift day on the back of that. We, and we, just, we, we said that we'll give it all away, and we did. So we sat down and thought about, uh, uh, and prayed, and where God really wants us to, to send this money to. And one of the places uh, was a local school that we felt, oh, we, we should give some of it to. Um, and I was in charge of one of them to really get in touch with them and see how we can do that. So, uh, and it happened to be the school that Haley worked at, which was great. Uh, so through that, got to um, uh, speak to the head teacher. So spoke to her and said, this is what we're doing as a church, and this is what we've done, and we'd like to, uh, to do this. And she was really uh, amazed, and um, she said, oh, would you like to come and speak at the assembly then? Um, so I went and spoke at the assembly. It was just amazing to have that's opportunity to really speak the word of God, to preach the word of God to little children who may have never heard it before. It was brilliant and a privilege to speak the word of God in a place where maybe those children had never seen the Bible. And through that generosity, the relationship still continues today. It still continues. And it's just amazing that I'm just able to go into that school maybe every now and again with boxes of cereal, just to go in really and have a chat and talk to some of the people, and I'm known as the kind man. Um, the kind man's here. Um, well, they clearly don't know me, but, uh, but it's just wonderful. Through one act of generosity, this has happened. It's given us access and it's given us a relationship that is authentic, and I just love that. I'm going to um, go a bit quicker than this because, we, uh, again, pressure of time. Generosity encourages other believers. Uh, there's another guy here in this passage who is named. And you know, in the Bible, um, I remember Raj always said, Jesus never wasted a moment. And in the Bible, there's nothing that goes to waste, really, because it's the Word of God. And whatever's there is precious, and whatever's there is there for a reason. So this guy's named, and his name's Joseph, but the apostles call him Barnabas, probably because Joseph sounded difficult to them, just like my name, um, is a bit difficult to some of you guys, so you'll have nicknames for me from sushi to something else. Um, so Joseph was there, and the apostles were calling him Barnabas for some reason. Now, we won't get into that, but what that meant was the son of encouragement. So this guy's there, and he's called the son of encouragement. All right, son of encouragement, are we doing all right? Um, and then that, that's how he'd be known as. He's there. And he brings um, whatever that he's, he's got with him. Where is he from? His origins go back to Cyprus. Where is this taking place? In the other side. In Jerusalem. So this guy thinks, um, I've got lots of assets and capital in that part of the world. What do I do with them? I'll just leave it. It's good. It's, it's better there. It's, it's financially secure. I'm just going to leave it there. No, he's convicted that this is what God wants him to do. And therefore, geographical boundaries mean nothing to him. So he sells things and he brings it. I think that's one of the reasons he's called the son of encouragement. Because he encourages by giving. 
I've been encouraged very often at this church, amongst many of you, I'm not going to name you, when you've been generous, and I've thought, this is what Jesus would have done. And I could see God at work through you, and I still see that in many different ways, but with generosity, it's just amazing how I've witnessed it firsthand, and I've been encouraged. Generosity encourages the church. Generosity empowered by the Holy Spirit doesn't know boundaries. And your generosity has empowered many other people. Again, I want to tell you another story. Uh, we had a gift day um, in here uh, at Jubilee a few years ago, and we had a, a friend who was an asylum seeker, a destitute asylum seeker at the time. He was living in one of the open door houses. He came to me and said, I'm preparing for the gift day. And I thought, wow. A destitute asylum seeker is not allowed to work. They have no income. They're not given anything. Um, there's no provision for them by the government. And I thought, wow, that's, that's so challenging to me. And he said, but I've got a question. I said, yeah, sure. He said, will God accept 50p? And I thought, I, I just didn't know what to say. So I said, what do you think? He said, well, what I've heard at Jubilee is that what's important is that you give it from your heart. The amount is really secondary. But I find it difficult to believe in. Because how could God accept 50p? This God who's so great. And I believe what you preach there. But it's just so difficult for me to take on and understand with my head. But in my heart, I know he will. The week after, he came to me and said, do you know what I told you that I, whether God accepts 50p? And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd really love to know. So he said, I had my food parcel from Open Door. So it's um, you know, food ingredients where they can go and cook. Um, and that's for a week. And he said that I was given five pounds from another place. I was thinking I could buy a phone card for four pounds so I could ring my family because I hadn't heard from them for a while. And I could spend another 50p on a loaf of bread, which would last me a week. So that's 450. And all I have left is 50 pence for a week. But I wanted to give that to God. And I did. And I felt challenged. This guy gave everything he had. 50p was all he had, and he gave it away. To many of us here, it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't really, it's not much. I, I had one ready, and I was going to show you what, what can you do with it. The sort of answers you would come up with is probably not much really. But to another person, that was a loaf of bread that would last him a week. That was probably a lifeline. And this is what he had seen later on, he told me, how generously people give. People come in in gift days and they're dancing to the front as if they're going to get a big, great gift from there. And they're putting things in there instead and come back empty-handed. And they're dancing, they're still dancing. And that's what caused him to think. And that's what caused him to pray really about it. And that's what caused him to ask the question, can I give all I have away? Can I give everything that I have for a week to live on away? So thank you for being great witnesses so that at least one person that I know of is being built in the gospel of Jesus. He has the right foundations. Thank you for being that family. Thank you for being so generous so that people outside would see it and they would say, it's difficult for me to understand it with my head, but I know it's right in my heart. Thank you, Jubilee. And I just want to very quickly touch on handling money as well 
Because generosity is not just about giving away. Finances is not just about giving away. We're called to be stewards of our finances. We're called by God to look after what He's given us and what He's entrusted us with. So when you think about money, don't just think about finances. In light of the Bible, money is a spiritual matter. In light of the Bible, money is very constructive. You know, I told you, your wallet tells you where your heart is. Your bank statement tells you where your priorities are. Have a look at it and see where you spend most of your money. In every decision, every financial decision that you make, think of it as a spiritual decision. Think of it the way that God wants you to to do it. Don't just think that it's money you've earned. It's money God's given you. You've been entrusted with it. Seek his counsel and the counsel of those who have wisdom in the family. Those that you have a relationship with. Those that you trust. Those that you can see in their lives how they're handling their money. Seek their counsel. Talk to them. We struggle with money because we struggle with sin at times. And it's a struggle because we live in a fallen world. And it's nothing new. Jesus knew it. But in every decision that you make financially, seek God first. Sound financial decisions are based on biblical truth. So seek the Bible in it. Generosity begins with Jesus, continues in the life of his disciples, then and now and in the future, and it generates growth. Do we believe that jubilee? It was very difficult for me to talk about money, culturally and also because of this culture that I live in. But I'm glad that God enabled me to do it. And I seriously believe that it's one thing that can be used to generate growth, and it's one of the things that God has given us, a tool that God's given us to ad- for the advance of his kingdom. Now, there are people here who may struggle with this. There are people who may struggle with their finances, not because you don't have much, because you have so much, and probably the other way around. If you're struggling with your, struggling with your finances, I've got a solution for you, and the solution is not a thing, it's a person, and his name's Jesus, and you can take it before him, and ask him to give you wisdom. If you're not sure what to do with it, or if you're not sure how to get out of a situation you've created, go before God, repent first of all, for the decisions that you made not based on the Bible and the truth of the Bible. And many of us may have been in that situation at one point in our lives. And there's no shame or embarrassment about it. But take it before God, Ask Jesus himself to give you wisdom and we as a family will pray for you too if you'd like to share that with us or if you'd like to be prayed for. Can I ask the band to come up please, if possible? For the rest of us, again, I remember my good friend Raj once uh, was speaking about uh, his experience and he said, I didn't have much time to do things uh, for God or I didn't have much time to to, to be involved uh, in different things. So I asked Jeremy, I don't really have much time, but what do I do? And he said, you have money? Give money. Uh, and it may be that some of you are thinking, well, I, can't, I don't really know what, how to get involved with things. I can't really be there on a Sunday evening for Alpha. I'd love to be there and help with setup. I'd love to be there and help with different things, but I just can't because I don't have the time. You may have the money to, and the finances to allow others uh, to do that. 
others who have the time and energy and other resources maybe. I did say it brings unity, didn't I? Not necessarily uniformity. So there's two things. If you want to seek God about what to do with your finances, seek Him. The other thing is, bring it before God. Bring every single decision before God. Now, as we go into worship.